This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where everyone from rookies to pros finds their fun. Because fun is fitness, fun is friends, and fun is fast. Croeso. That's a bit of Welsh for you. Gee, nice to see you as always. I want to start off this week by talking about the topic which seems to have obsessed the nation, or at least the part of the nation listens to the GTCC, and that is not ordinary cycling, but arm cycling. <laughs> yeah, so Ben Williams, the uh, the guy in our team, in the cycling team, who used to be, well, he still does a day a week, I think, with the America's Cup team. He actually messaged me recently and said, oh, well, I'll read the text for you. My phone exploded yesterday. It was sailing and cycling stato geeks. Just listen to your podcast and it all makes sense now. So, yeah, obviously there's a lot of listeners to the GTCC and they all messaged him to tell him everything. And it sounds like I was right in that the Kiwis did use their legs in the America's Cup 35, which was two editions ago. The latest one was 36, where it was arms only. And apparently the, the rules change every four years and yeah yeah um i asked him why and he just basically fobbed me off i don't know if he couldn't be bothered explaining but he just said something like where is it now i'll just have a quick look he said <laughs> don't try and understand it mm. it's a patronizing sport, blah 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 so yeah it's a bit bonkers but he did send me neil hunter who was one of the i think he's the strongest arm peddler is that what we're calling him i think we'll have to yeah he sent me his watts and he told me to keep this close to my chest so I won't give away the exact numbers because we don't want those Kiwis getting an advantage. Can I do a higher or lower? Yeah, so, well, he's, he's he sent me through what Hunter's is, right? So it's five second power. So we've said before, mine is just under 1,300. Yeah, very similar to mine. Yeah. Do you think Hunter's is higher or lower than that? Five <sighs> seconds. That's a very good question. I'm going to say lower. It's actually higher. What? smashed me out of the park, yeah. What? This is this is completely blowing my mind. This is making me think completely differently about the... Is it a sport of arm cycling? Well, it's making me think differently about the power of the human arm. <laughs> yeah. But apparently the next edition is back to legs. Huh. He basically said something like, the rules have changed again as we've... Now realise they do all the time, apparently. No idea why. But there's less less crew and same power needed. So theory is big lads will produce more absolute power than with arms. So Sounds like they need Ghana. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, someone like Ghana would be... Yeah. But I asked him what he benches. Like, what does this hunter do bench? He said 140. 140 kilograms? Stone. No, yeah, <laughs> kilo. <laughs> So he's basically, he can bench press two Garants. Yeah. yeah. So with one peck and one arm, he could do a Garant. <laughs> do a Garant. But <laughs> saying that, I'm not far off. I bench 120. 120, 125, 130 on a good day. With my new shoulder. Yeah. I'm yeah. Smashing the old bench these days. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe we should get this Hunter dude on. Sorry. I'm I think we should. him Hunter, but Neil Hunter, his name is. So maybe we should try and get, get him on and get some real uh, perspective. Yeah, definitely. Let's do it maybe as a cheeky little bonus episode. We'll get him on. Sponsor Klaxon. The GTCC are delighted to be sponsored by Momentus, a leading human performance company that works with pro and elite sporting teams. And here's Geraint to tell you about their flagship product, PR Lotion, and a cheeky discount for our members. Yeah, so PR Lotion is a cream that you just basically massage on your muscles that are working. So the other day, for instance, I had a big time trial session. So an hour before, just was there in my kitchen, massaging cream all over my legs. and uh, But it works very well. And the data also actually shows that you'll get 53% less muscle soreness and be able to do 25% more training intervals. So win-win. So go on, go and slap it all over those legs before your next big ride or your next workout or even your next GTCC ride. 
Just go to livemomentous.com and use the discount code GTCC2021 at the checkout for 25% off Momentus's PR lotion. Happy training. That was when I saw what I recognised as a fighter bomber. And then it clicks in your brain, oh fuck, they're bombing the airport. Imagine boarding a flight thinking you're heading on holiday, but instead you get taken hostage by Saddam Hussein. All the tanks are in rows and they're all pointing their guns at us at the hotel. And I've never seen anything like it in my life. Imagine being used as a human shield, put in the line of fire, your life at threat. Your daily reality is the fact that at any moment a bomb could come through and hit us. Or at any moment when the guard comes along, he might just pull out his gun and shoot you in the back of the head. We're in trouble. We are under attack. Do not leave where you are. That man has been shot. He has been shot. My God. The biggest fear for me was being tortured. Listen to the secret history of Flight 149 to hear the shocking story behind one of the biggest cover-ups in modern history. We know the truth. We know what actually happened. I was there. Search for the secret history of Flight 149 and subscribe now. Today's guest, Tom, is one of the most talented young riders in the world, I reckon. She's junior world road race champion, pretty handy over time trials as well, and has also just recently won the Cyclocross World, so it's pretty good timing actually to get her on. Also, I don't want to sound like one of those old blokes in the pub, but I used to race with her dad, which does make me feel pretty old, actually. He won Paris-Roubaix. Also, her mum competed in the commie games, thing Kuala Lumpur, road race, points race, and her big sister, Eleanor, is also a top young rider, so pretty, well, very handy cycling family. So welcome to the GTCC, Zoe Backstead. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Did I leave out any other big things you've done? Obviously, Euros on the track, you've won quite yeah. a few golds as well. I've also got two European Youth Olympic medals, gold medals. Um, I won them in 2019 in Baku. Um, other than that, I think you got everything. Sweet. Well, that's <laughs> that's not bad for... <laughs> for How old are you? 19 now? 18? 17. Oh, blimey, Charlie. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, doing pretty well then. Doing pretty well. Not too bad. Not too bad. How was it work with your parents? Obviously, you know, Magnus Backstead, um, your dad, who's won Paris-Roubaix, won stages of the Tour de France. You know, your mum's also been very successful. So how was that? I mean, I speak to dad about certain things going into some races. He helps me if he knows parts of the course um, and things like that. And he's very good at helping me understand the race and going through tactics and everything like that. My mum's a top chef. She is the best. At pre, yeah, pre-race food is, she's the best at that. But I've got to give a bit more credit to her. She is pretty good at everything. But yeah, I kind of, at the moment in the cross season, I have um, people from my team that help me understand the course, understand tyre pressures, tyre choices and things like that. But on the road, I kind of like to go into it a little bit on my own and just understand the race if I'm riding it for the first time and everything like that. So I speak to them when I need to speak to them, but if I don't need to speak to them, I won't. And like, if I go to, let's say, Worlds, um, they send me a message beforehand and say, good luck, we're rooting for you, everything like that. But just try and stay on my own with my team and just focus on the racing. Yeah, so they, they kind of leave you to it then. They're not like yeah. Tom, who down the park is there shouting at his seven-year-old kids, come on! <laughs> You've Hold seen the, the videos, G, you know what I do. So Zoe, <laughs> G has taken the mickey out of me in the past because having spoken to a number of uh, elite sports people about what helped them when they were kids, Everyone seems to say that pushy parents are a bad thing and that you should just make sure your kids enjoy it. So G's seen the videos where my boys are going off for under eight cyclocross race and everyone's shouting. You can just hear me going, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Have fun. The one thing I say to everyone is if I have fun, I do well. So as long as you have fun, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was a kid, like, oh, down Mandy, you'd be racing and there'd be some guys from over you know london way and stuff come down and 
some of the parents, like, well, and, in, and around Cardiff, you know, it was, it was just like, it was incredible, like how crazy they were, the parents. I remember one race we did in Hull as well, and <laughs> the guy that was like looking after us said to me, oh, just sit on that guy, he's the best. You just sit behind him for a bit, and then towards the end, just go. So that's what I was doing. And his dad was hurling this <laughs> abuse of me from the side. Like, it was incredible, the stuff he was calling me, but... I just stayed there, sat on the wheel, and then just hit him at the end, and yeah, won. But yeah, the the difference in in yeah parents is is pretty drastic actually when you're that age. What do you think, say? What would have happened? I mean, clearly you love riding your bike, and your big sister loves riding your bike. But had you not enjoyed riding your bike, what do you think your mum and dad would have done? Um, I mean, the thing is, mum and dad have both said to me and Eleanor that they didn't think that we were going to be cyclists. And they said, "Why? I don't know. They just, it never crossed their minds. And they said to us, if we thought you were going to be cyclists, we would have bought a bigger house with a bigger garage. <laughs> <laughs> because our bikes now take over, over our living room. So that's not great. But no, they didn't think that we were going to be cyclists. And for a long time, I think until I was maybe first year under 12s, I was doing netball, tennis, athletics, cycling, um, cross country in school all at the same time so my week was so busy but if I look back at it now if I wasn't a cyclist I'd probably be playing tennis and they were they were willing to support me in that so but yeah it didn't really work out very well well I would have been pushing you down the old tennis route I would have it's good money, <laughs> for tennis, money isn't it? yeah. well not just the money but with Max now when I think of him like it's just like when you're actually doing it you don't get too stressed or you know crashes happen whatever you know you know how you feel and this and that but yeah for my wife or like my mum like oh man I'm sure my mum's going grey before her years like because it it must be stressful seeing like your well Max hasn't raced yet but if he was to race and just while the crashes and stuff is pretty it's crazy and it must be hard to watch yeah, um, I mean, obviously, Eleanor's had some big crashes, um, broken a fair few bones, but for my mum, it's more looking at the cyclocross courses and watching me go down some descents, like um, Namur, that's quite a big one for, let's say, sketchy downhills. And she was watching the racing, I, I watched racing the junior race there, so she couldn't watch me racing, but watched the elite race afterwards and messaged me and was like, I that don't know That was chaos, how you did wasn't that. it? Oh, <laughs> absolute carnage but it's probably one of the best races of the year if they've got spectators there but yeah for her it's when she can't see me racing on tv it's knowing that i've not crashed and hurt myself or something like that 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 part i think she's going a little bit gray for that which she'll <laughs> she'll kill me for saying <laughs> but she always says it to, to me and Elle that whenever we're doing big races she always gets really nervous for us thinking about nerves did you get nervous before the worlds in fayetteville the other weekend According to my coach, I was very nervous. I don't really realise it, but when I go nervous, I either go really quiet or I talk a lot. And she was like, you were talking at people <laughs> at dinner the night before. So I did get nervous. And I mean, I didn't exactly eat much for breakfast before my race, but I think I managed it pretty well. Another race I was nervous for this year was Namur World Cup. That one... I, I don't know what it was. I think it was my second junior World Cup and I was sat there the night before and I was absolutely petrified. Like, I did not to speak to anyone for the whole morning other than my dad. That was it. And I go into the race and everything just worked out fine and I was like, oh, I didn't need to be nervous for that. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you might get nervous, but the results still come. And as Steve Peters would always tell us, it's it's good to be nervous. It's, it's your body getting ready you know, to get out there and fight the anticipation is, is just making sure that they don't overcome, you know, and, and you actually start crumbling with it. But obviously you don't. So that's a very good sign. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And just one other thing, just on nerves as well. Like one thing that always helped me was when you get onto that start line, you just know, right, I've done everything that I can. I've done, you know, trained well, ate well, I'm prepared as best as possible race now get stuck in I'm not going to go out and try to fail but if something happens you know a bad thing happens and so be it you know that's what happens and uh, that's always worked with me so yeah but it sounds like you're able to deal with those nerves pretty well seeing that you've won about 
40 gold medals already and you're only 17 so <laughs> out of all those events though so you've obviously won medals on the track road cyclocross time trial a favorite discipline yeah cyclocross 100 percent. really yeah 100 percent. i said there's something about racing in a cold wet muddy rainy field in the middle of winter that just puts a smile on my face you know um <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I love road racing as well, and I love to train mountain bike, but cyclocross is straight up my favourite discipline, yeah. See, it's, it's a funny one, because some road riders, G, are put off by all those things, aren't they? They're put off by the mud, and the mayhem, and the mess, and the fact you've got to run sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, I think with cyclocross, though, you, you obviously expect it, and it's only an hour. It's just when you're in a road race, and suddenly there's mud, and chaos, and and um, wet weather and you you know you're in it for five six hours yeah no one's really going to like that but then say strada a race in italy where it's on gravel roads if the weather's quite bad there nobody really enjoys it at the time but everyone loves looking back at the pictures and sending them to each other like wow look at this one of you like when you're mid-air you know crashing or just all the mud caked on their faces and i think that's what's great about cycling whatever discipline it is the harder the the better really and at the time you don't necessarily enjoy it but afterwards you know all those pictures and just goes down you know like everyone always harps back to even san remo when it snowed you know there were some big iconic pictures from that and you know back in the day when guys are yeah just terrible conditions and stuff and that's the challenge of it all as well i think everyone i think every professional bike rider is pretty pretty weird in that regard it's just the harder the better almost how were the worlds then for you zoe because that course when I was watching on TV, the course almost looked like, well, it looked nothing like the courses that you, if you ride cross in the UK that you get used to with the mud and the wind and the rain, it would almost look quite summery. Like the, the, the course looked quite dry and the grass was quite bleached, wasn't it? Yeah. So I went out on course practice on Friday and from Friday afternoon, I think I, I did course practice at 11, which is when I raced as well. So that the conditions would be roughly the same, you know, with temperature drop and everything overnight. And the main descent was probably about twice as hard the day before because it was a little, like so much more slippery and there was so much more mud. But um, it was weird because we went out on I went out on course practice on Saturday morning. Um, I think I was on the course for uh, nine, and the ground, every part of the ground, was completely frozen. And I go out and I was so much more confident when it was frozen on the ground. I have no clue why, absolutely no idea, but it was, it made it really, really fast because it was so dry and, but the descent, it felt so much grippier. It was really, really weird. I can't describe it, but yeah, it's like the complete opposite to any Belgian cross course, if I'm going to be honest. The only one that it is kind of similar to is the one in Czech Republic, um, the first world, the June, first junior world cup, um, of this season. Uh, did you win that as well? Yeah, I did. <laughs> but it was my first and only race in European kit. So yeah, went out and won that. But yeah, it was amazing. It was such a cool course. It was it suited me really well. The descent was nice. The climb was not too long but not too short and I could stay out the saddle for almost all of it and we saw that on the first lap I kind of went full gas. Um and dropped some people but yeah, and then there was loads of power sections and it wasn't too technical and literally everything suited me, so it was it was perfect. Yeah, he did a pretty decent job. I think he demolished is probably a word that comes to mind, the field. So, uh, yeah, good job there. But when it comes to sort of specialising, if you will ever specialise, cyclocross would be a hard one to specialise at. So in the summer, would you be a road, track, and then dabble in the cyclocross mountain bike? Um, so if I see myself now, it'll be cross in the winter as my main focus. I feel like you kind of have to do road racing in the summer or at least long training camps because you see in Voss, Sharon Van Anroy, Lucinda, they're so much stronger this season because they've done road racing over the summer. And it's it's definitely I need to I need to do road racing. Plus, I really enjoy it. So road racing and cross is where I want to be. I would say mountain bike, but it's really hard to combine three disciplines at once. 
and get enough enough rest to be able to go through the whole cross season and finish the road season. So road and cross, it's where I'm at. Nice combination. That's worked for a few uh, <laughs> a few guys recently as well. So I'm sure you'll uh, smash that anyway. Do you think it helped where you grew up, Zoe? Because you're in a good place to do a little bit of all of that, aren't you? Um, yeah, I mean, at home, it's not like where I live. There's not many great places for cross training. Um, but there's a fair few places where they do races. And obviously, I did a load of the Welsh League when I was younger. And I got to experience a lot of crosses then. And then I made my way up into the National Series and started doing some races there. And then took my first trip over to Belgium. And from then on, I was like, yeah, cyclocross. It's just, it's so much fun. And the atmosphere out here, it's it's like 10 times better than being in the UK. And I mean, racing in the UK is great because it's your home race. But racing in Belgium, you have so many spectators and the courses are just crazy stupid. Um, but yeah, also at home, it's good for for road riding I've got the Bulk I've got the Rigos um, Pandarin Moors I've got all of those roads over there that I can get a good ride on um, I'm riding by the coast absolutely love it and it's really nice especially when it's sunny at home the sun just helps everything so <laughs> yeah growing up it was alright <laughs> it was great I got to train with dad I get to train with Elle I get to train with mum if she comes out but yeah at the moment Belgium is where, where I need to be so when you mentioned Rigos and Bulk, that was the first race I did with your dad, actually. So ask him how it went when, when this pod's over. <laughs> you know why he wants you to ask, Zoe, is because he feels quite <laughs> pleased that he overtook your dad. Despite Were you on junior gearing as well, G, just to blow some smoke? Yeah, junior gears. But dropped. junior gears don't make a difference up a hill. Yeah, but going down. <laughs> Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> going, going down, I was spinning out. I was in the tuck. I had to get right in the slipstream with this one guy, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, good times. Talking about family again, still. As we said, Alan is a very handy bike rider in her own right. Must be a big uh, rivalry there. Or is it more kind of help each other out for now? Because you're not really racing against each other. But Yeah. I mean, when when we were a bit younger and we were still under 14 and 16, there was a, I'd say there was a little bit, but not much rivalry. Like, we both have respect for each other. And we know that we're both good at different things, like... I specialise in cross, she specialises on the road and time trial now. Like, we do two completely different things, but when we race together, when we train together, we're like the same person. It's like, I can go out for three, four, five hour ride with her, and we'll just sit at the exact same pace and everything just works out perfectly. But, I mean, I've done national Madison champs with her twice, I want to say. We work pretty well there, so when we need to be competitive against each other yeah obviously we're competitive like we're sisters <laughs> of course we're gonna we're gonna try and beat each other and everything but it's like a friendly rivalry we help each other out when we need to yeah did you win those madisons when you raced with her yes of course <laughs> gee the answer's just gonna be yes i mean <laughs> it's an interesting one for me zoe that that idea of nature versus nurture because clearly your mum and dad have given the two of you really good genes but how important was the whole cycling culture that I guess you grew up with as well? Yeah, it was it was very important. I always remember, I think it was twenty yeah, twenty fourteen, we took a bus with a load of other people, um, over to watch to watch the end of Roubaix ten years after Dad won it. So I st- I still remember that. I I mean, it's not like the a memory at like the front of my brain, but it's one that's always there and still will be forever. And watching Dad racing tour series um, when he was riding for UK Youth. And yeah, I mean, I don't really remember much of the end of his professional career because I was really young, but just growing up with him riding bikes, Eleanor riding bikes, mum riding bikes, my grandparents riding bikes, just everyone on a bike. I mean, it was kind of the one place we were going to go, even though they didn't expect it. I think it's just a, it's a, it's obviously a combination of it all, isn't it, really? But at the end of the day, you can be as talented as... Well, you can be one of the most talented, but if you don't put the work in and you don't enjoy it, you're not going to reach the top either. So, yeah, it's a fine balance, isn't it? And, like, with the training and stuff, like, I bet you, Zoe, I bet people are just having to hold you back the whole time. Um, I mean, there's... I don't know what it is, but when I was younger, everyone just thought... Like, when I was 
like 12 and 13, everyone thought I was doing like 15, 20 hour weeks on the bike. Like for so long, I had people telling me like, oh, you do so much training, you do so much of this, you do so much of that. I hated cycling until I was like second year under 10s, <laughs> first year under 12s. Like genuinely hated it. Like Eleanor will be going out on a two hour ride. Oh, I'm not coming. I don't want to do any more than an hour and a half. Don't want to go down to Mandy and do training, everything like that. And then I got there and I loved it. But yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't do loads of training, but I just do enough. And I always, or like yesterday, I had three hours on the bike to do um, at cross training. And then my coach is like, my cross coach is like, oh, a bit too much with two hard races at the weekend. But then my road coach is like, three hours, we're thinking of the season further. So yeah, it's just trying to find the balance between doing all the disciplines. Yeah. Arm so- wrestle, I would say, G. Arm wrestle between those two coaches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about off the bike then? What, what are you into off the bike? Um, gym. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm honest, not really that much. I like to, sometimes I get like my creative side out and I like to draw every now and again. If I have like, if I have something in mind that I want to draw, I'll draw it. But I also like creating YouTube videos. Um, I've got a couple out on YouTube. Not that many. I've not done that many over the winter because it was just quite stressful being at all the races and being a bit of a bigger name now. Um, A lot of people know me and, I'm getting asked for pictures before the start, like signatures and everything like that. So it all got a little bit too much, but I've got a creative side to me. So yeah, bit of drawing, bit of YouTube, bit of everything like that. And then that's all there really is. is. What about the whole, um, obviously you're young, 17, as we said, so officially not old enough to drink, but you know, we've all been there. We've all been 17. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you're a bit too busy though for for that side of things. Yeah, I've I've not really tried alcohol before. Like I have, but I haven't. I've had a little bit of champagne after Road Worlds. Um, the hotel we were at gave us a bottle of champagne, and we split it between the five of us. Um, and then after Cross Worlds, I had probably less than a hundred mil in the bottom of a glass. And that's if I'm honest. That's that's all I've ever had. Very similar it's... to G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's probably the best way though, like Tom Pidcock, he doesn't drink, he doesn't even drink tea or coffee actually. Do you, do you drink tea or coffee? No, can't not stand it. Wow. <laughs> is this making you feel even older, G? Why it is, and yeah, time's definitely changed since I was that age, but that's just how it is now, isn't it? Yeah. G, how, when, you, when you're hearing Zoe talk about how she deals with pressure and what she's achieving at such a young age, do you reflect at all on yourself at a similar age? Because it came slightly later for you. Um, and do you wonder how you would have coped if it had come earlier? Um, well, I was pretty handy at 17, actually, Tom. I won a few okay. races, but yeah. I certainly didn't win all the world and, and European titles that there's always been winning. But I think it's one of those, like for me, it just, you just crack on with it almost. You, it, it, that side of things never really affected me. And then if it did interviews, I was always said it how it was really like, um, I've said it in the past though you can control the amount how honest you are for instance like you can still give an honest answer but you just give a very brief answer you don't tell the whole story so sometimes you might just tell 20% of it rather than 100% but um, yeah it's just something I've I've kind of enjoyed it as well though you know it's nice when people ask you for your autograph or whatever especially when you're young you know especially at those cross races like as we've heard before the fans in belgium and holland are just absolutely mad for cyclocross like proper anoraks you know they just love it know everything about it like a bit nerdy um but it's a great sort of environment and yeah when when people are asking you for autographs pictures it you do feel good um yeah as, and i think zoe will be fine because she's from wales and most people from wales you know just it doesn't affect them too much does that sound true zoe um yeah it's about right we're welsh we're hard it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's just one of those like if you go back to wales and you're a bit sort of like oh i'm i'm the man or you know i'm the the main person you soon get brought down a peg or two how do you find it now zoe now with all your success there will be some i guess some of the riders that you grew up idolizing or admiring there'll be some of those riders now looking back and thinking 
of you as a potential threat in the future? <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, I said this to someone the other day, but my <laughs> my main idol, my like my hero, is Voss. Um, yeah, I'm lining up on her on the start line. I can I can remember. I think it was two, no, three years ago, I um, interviewed her in Zolder. And I look back at that and I go, I'm racing against you now. Like, I, it's crazy. And I was on the start line in, actually it was Zolder this year, and Celine Alvarado was on the start line next to me. And she was like, oh, congrats for Worlds, um, Road Worlds. That was a great race. And I just stood there. I was like, that is so cool because I've looked up to her for the last year and she was world champ in 2020 and yeah it's like some of the people that I've looked up to I'm now racing with and I just I cannot get my mind around it I remember that same feeling back in 2003 the worlds were in Hamilton and uh, the road worlds in Canada and junior and 23 and elite were all in the same week and stuff so we're doing a lap of the course to you know just to well see it and uh, was riding with our elite riders so it was like who was uh, Charlie Wigalius and um, Dave Miller. I think Hammond was the other guy. But I was next to Charlie anyway. And we're riding up this climb. And Paolo Bettini rides past, who, 2003, I don't think he had won the Olympics by then, but he was still a huge rider. He'd won all these races. Just rides past, ciao, Charlie. And I was just like, and then he's Charlie's speaking Italian with him and stuff. And I was just there like, oh my God, Charlie knows Bettini. Like he's, <laughs> he's a friend of his, you know, and they're just talking and, yeah, and then remembered like all the the pros eating pasta in the morning of the race and just being there like on the next table, just like oh my god, they're eating pasta at like eight o'clock in the morning. What are they doing? But uh, yeah, it's mad how suddenly you're in around those people. And I remember my first pro race in Germany. Jan Ulrich was there riding behind him and just looking at his legs, being like, "Holy shit, they are just like <laughs> ridiculous." Basso was there as well. He was scared to even like ride too near them in case something happened, you know, and he took them out. So, yeah, uh, yeah I definitely know that feeling, what you're talking about there, yeah. Yeah, that was me in uh, the first couple of races this season. I was getting up towards the front and I'm seeing like Santa Cant, Lucinda, and I'm like, don't want to go near them, you know, because they're <laughs> yeah. them and I'm me. And dad goes to me, so you're going to have to be a bit more aggressive. Like, you've made your way into the top 15 if they're if they're like 15th place and you're 15th place, then you have the right to like fight against them and try and fight for positions. But like the first few races, I literally would not go near them. And I was so scared to just like, I was following the lines, but I was just scared that I was going to knock them off or something like that and ruin the race. But you know, I'm a bit more aggressive with them now. Yeah. Get the elbows out. (laughs) Yeah. I remember that. I was, I was riding next to Cloden once and like my left hand like touched his hip like I was on my hoods and my handlebars on my brake levers and touched his hip and he turned around and he was like hey those and pointed at my brakes he's like use them you don't have to touch me I was like oh bloody hell okay five minutes later then it was boiling hot it's pour some water on my head he's behind me he gets covered in all this water (laughs) (laughs) oh he wasn't happy Uh, stupid German Zoe, do you look at some of those women who have been at the top of the sport, certainly in cyclocross, people like Mariana Voss or Lucinda Brandt, do you, do you study them still and try and borrow little things they do, whether it's the racing line in a race or whether it's the prep or how they are before the race? Um, so not necessarily before the race because if I'm racing with them, I'll be warming up as well. But when I'm racing, like I did, my first race of the season was in... Mullerbecker I think and I was I got second to Santa Cant there and I went into that race I was like no clue how I'm going to be I raced cross uh, road worlds a week earlier so I knew I had some form but I didn't know how I was going to be on the cross bike because I'd not done basically any cross training and I went into the race and ended up being at the front for the majority of it and I was following Santa Cant and I was like I don't know how she rides that so well and then the next lap I tried to follow her line and I rode it and I was like, how? That's crazy. Sometimes if I'm out on course practice, I'll stop and notice there's some people behind me and I'll watch their lines and everything like that. And I remember, when was it? Hammer, the week before uh, Crossworlds. There was this one section. Um, there was me, Manon Backer and Shirin Van Amroy. We were all stood at this one section. We were like, can we ride it 
or is it going to have to be a run? And then we watched, watched Lucinda come up behind and she couldn't ride it. And we were all like, oh, if she can't ride it, then it's fine. We can run it as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like knowing what's rideable and what's like what's stupid to ride, if that makes sense. Like if it's just going to be quicker to run it. Um, but then watching Voss at Crossworlds as well, um, watching how patient she was and just you could see in her face that she knew even if it got taken down to a sprint that she could still get it. And she like you could see that if she was going to attack, she knew when, she knew where, she knew how um, and everything like that. But just the fact that she was so calm and just stayed on Lucinda's wheel even when Lucinda tried to get her to come past. And just basically her whole ride at Worlds was like textbook and it was it was so good for me to watch so when it comes to training for cross then how does it differ to the road it's just a lot more intense you you have do you do all your cross training on a cross bike is that a stupid question um kind of but not really um (laughs) (laughs) so i usually do cross training once a week and then race on the weekend over cross season and then during the summer, I try to get out once once a week, maybe once every other week on the cross bike. But um, last year doing track, it was quite hard to get to get those cross sessions in. But at the moment during cross season, it's Wednesday we'll do cross training and then we do a good warm up. We come in and we do a block of five or six starts, and then depending on the race at the weekend, depends whether it's flat up a hill, flat with a corner, up a hill with a corner, like we basically try and replicate the start that's going to happen on the weekend. Um, and the same with like location. So if we've got a sand race, we'll go somewhere and train sand and we'll train technique in the sand. And then we normally do some intervals, maybe like a, a five or 10 minute block um, or some one minute efforts or one lap efforts or different sections of the course. We'll do efforts on literally you look at a cross course and you go you need to do this, this and this to ride this course well and then we do this this and this in training so that we know how to ride the course well if that makes sense yeah yeah um, it's a good mix of like physical and technical yeah, and exactly um mm. and we do a lot of like descending work um just knowing how much to break going down some descents and knowing how quick you can go down them without crashing um and everything like that and then a lot of work we do as well is on the hurdles trying to get me to bunny hop them which it's taken its time it's taken its time but <laughs> hopefully by next season we'll get there but yeah do you do any running as yes well, um i've not done any running since i had covid um but before that once twice a week before breakfast just 20 minutes half an hour and then in cross training as well we do running up a hill with the bike on bike on your shoulder again if the course has got a big uphill bank that you have to run up then we do running training with the bike but mostly it's it's in the mornings before breakfast or sometimes just before dinner um i'll do 30 40 minutes with some some sprints or something like that but i should do more basically <laughs> i've done the a couple thing- of runs actually tom this winter after we have had our because this- me and tom have a 5k at some point so i thought i'd go out for a cheeky little run how's oh, it been going terrible i only did one excellent but i was like oh, i feel like i feel so bad Anyway, I got home. I was like, oh, I reckon I got COVID. I feel that bad. Two days later, I had COVID. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. So what you're saying is you're still going to be a massive threat. Big time. Okay. <laughs> I haven't run that... yet, but yeah. Watch your space. Let's, let's see how that goes, Zoe. The um, the crazy thing for me about Cross, when we listen to you talking about how you wreck your course and how you practice it, like if you're watching Formula One and you see the practice session at Silverstone, and then you see qualifying, you know that the course, the circuit is going to be exactly the same in the race. But in cross, clearly the weather can change. But also, even if the weather doesn't change, each lap you do, that course will change. And your decisions change and your lines might have to change. Uh-huh, 100%. A big thing is tyre choice. It, when was it? It was Saturday, no, Sunday last week. I started course practice on a Griffos on a dry tyre. And I went out and I did half a lap and I go, I'm going to need something more aggressive. And then it comes to the race and the Griffo was the perfect choice. But it's having the ability to shout as you go through the pits, shout that you need a different tyre, a different tyre pressure, um, and then coming in and changing in the next half lap. Or if you're lucky and you have someone that you know out on course, 
um, you can shout to them. And then I've had this a couple of times, like Czech Republic two years ago. I punctured on the start line, did quarter of a lap with a flat, yelled to my coach. He called my dad in the pits. My dad had my bike ready for when I came into the pits. And it's being able to do little things like that um, with the pits. It's great. But line choice changes ev- literally every five minutes, basically. Um, and it's always always trying to look for look for the grass especially on a muddy course um but yeah even if it means taking a line that seems absolutely stupid to take that looks to be about three seconds slower when it comes in it's like five seconds faster you know so saying that with the different tire pressures and things have you done that often then so you could be racing and you just shout to whoever on the side like oh i need to go down half a bar or whatever do you always make that decision or will sometimes they just say change your bike and they'll give you it? Um, well, normally at the moment, like this season, my pressures have been fine from the start of the race because it's not changed. Like we've not been dry at the start and then absolutely chucking it down in the middle of the race. So I've not needed to change too much. But normally it's it's rider's choice. Like I'd say to dad because he's my, he's my lead mechanic. He's the one that gives me the bike in the race because he's like the only one I trust to do it. Well, that's pressure. (laughs) It's a bit of pressure, but he's had some good training, so he's got it nailed. (laughs) But yeah, it's like I'll shout to him, changing to a Lemus, and then I come in in the next half lap and my bike's there ready to go with the right pressures. And if he knows I'm changing to a more aggressive tyre or a less aggressive tyre, he's usually pretty on it with how much the pressure needs to change um, depending on the conditions, basically. Mm. Gee, I'm feeling slightly smug here because when Zoe's talking about these different tyres... I know exactly what tyres she's talking about because they make no difference when I finish three quarters of the way down a field in a race in the northwest of England, but I'm at least familiar with them. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea, but they sound good tyres. Exactly. <laughs> Top. <laughs> so what's the, rest, what's the plan for the rest of this year, Zoe? It's obviously started off in the best possible fashion. What else have you got your target locked on? Um, next Saturday is St Nicholas and next Sunday is Osmala and that is the last one of the cross season um, then there's a bit of a party post cross season it's tradition uh, <laughs> so apple I'll go to that juice. apple and orange juice on tap oh yeah exactly maybe a can of coke um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll hit off season maybe go on a holiday somewhere and then training camp get myself back into it and then first race of the season will be Ghent Wevelgem um, the junior one which is does not end in Wevelgem at all. It's nowhere near it. But anyway, <laughs> it's it's crazy. And then the main goal is just time trial worlds. It's the one I don't have and the one I want to get. So I think the course in Australia suits me a fair bit. I've seen it and there's a lot more corners than there was this year. And it's a, a bit hillier. But I think if I've got the training right and I've got the right legs for it, then fingers crossed. Great. Well, I think, uh, well, I'm, hopefully I might be down there with you in Oz. I'm not sure, but... Good luck with that and good luck with everything before that as well. I'm sure Thanks. I'm sure you'll be fine. Something <laughs> we'll tells <see>. me. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us on the GTCC. We've been trying to get you on for a while, but I think actually with your world championship cross performance in January, actually the time has worked out pretty well. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And say, uh, say hello to your dad and ask him about uh, Balkan Rigos. Oh, will do. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Right, Tom, while you and producer Lou are slaving away on your turbos, I thought we'd chat to some more GTCC members on why they use Zwift and see if they can give you some tips. Have a listen to this advice from Matt. Hi, my name's Matt and I started using Swift in 2017 after rather recklessly entering the Etape de Tour without actually owning a road bike at the time. After buying myself a bike, I spent the first few winter months using Swift and learning about FTP, Cadence, Watts per Kilo, and my story with cycling really starts there. A bit foolishly, I've entered the 2022 edition of the Adapter Tour, and the route this year is bigger than anything I've ever done. So I'm using features of Swift that I haven't really used before. Obviously, there's the GTCC group rides that are a great way to push myself that little bit harder than I normally might. But I've also found the Tour training plan in the Swift workouts. So here's hoping that the winter miles mean summer smiles. Ah, oh, very nice. And if you fancy joining me, Geraint, Producer Lou and Adrian on Swift, just go to swift.com to start your free trial. 
Chairman Tom, I hear we've got something special for our members. Yeah, we have indeed, Geraint. We've only gone and partnered up with the best bike insurance out there, Lacquer Insurance. And when any of our GTCC members takes out insurance with Lacquer, they will get an exclusive Geraint Thomas Cycling Club sweatshirt. Right, OK then, Tom. So why are Lacquer so good? Well, Lacquer's collective cover is made especially for cyclists, for life on and off the bike. People just like our honorary GTCC president, Mike Carr. Have a listen to this. I signed up with Lacquer uh, a few months ago. My bike was insured on my contents, which was costing me a fortune. So I went with Lacquer, a really great model. And a couple of months later, my wonderful Carbon Canyon was stolen. They broke through my side gate and into my locked bike shed. Took the bike, which was soul-destroying, but I had a police report, police number, and a couple of photos, which I sent straight off to Lacquer. Literally three or four days later, the money was in my bank account, and I was off new bike shopping, so it was a great service. So if you fancy getting insured with Lacquer and fancy a free GTCC sweatshirt in the process, just head over to www.lacquer.co and sign up using the code GTCC. Enjoy. Garrett, last week I asked our members to get in touch with some suggestions for future episode guests. I'm going to read them out and I would like your reaction to them. But before I do that, what I will say is we've got, hang on, one, two, we've got three episodes left in this series and we do have some seriously big names booked, so you do not want to miss them. Right, okay. So Adam Horsfield G would like uh, Michael Kwiatowski and he specifically would like his knowledge about weather apps because I believe we mentioned this in series one. G, can you pull some strings there, some Polish strings? <laughs> I'm sure I could. I was out with him today, actually. But he's not a fan of, not this pod, but oh. podcasts in general, I think. Cause oh, really? Why? What's his problem? I don't know. I don't know what his beef is, Tom, or his, or your tofu. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> he, we asked him to come on my sister pod, I'll call it, What's Occurring, mm. quite a while ago. Didn't want to. But I think he was more dubious about me and Luke, and we might try and stitch him up, so... Maybe yeah, with you here, it brings a bit of professionalism to it. So you might be keen. I don't know. I'll ask. Okay, nice. Then we have had a message G from Luke Jones, who has said he'll come on to talk to us about hand cycling. So remember, Luke was the guy who got us talking about hand cycling in the first place. So bearing in mind, we've talked so much about it and we're maybe going to get Neil Hunter on and we can get Ineos Ben. Should we get Luke on at the same time? Oh, yeah. Sounds like a great three-way, Tom. Okay. And finally, there has been a lot of chat from Chris Gams, from Lizzie Felton, and others in our Facebook group about getting Nicole Cook on. Because it's always good on your pod to get even more Welsh superstars on. Yeah, most definitely. Love that idea, actually, because Nicole, you know, as I've said many times before, she was one of my big inspirations as a kid, actually. You know, her and Bradley Wiggins. Obviously, Brad was doing everything I wanted to do, you know, winning Junior Worlds going to the Olympics, turning pro, riding Grand Tours, etc. But Nicole was winning world titles as a junior and she only lived down the road, you know, it was a lot more real, you know, and there's someone in your area doing it. So, yeah, it'd be great to get Nicole on and, uh, well, see what she's doing now and reminisce. Yeah, well, we'll see what we can do, eh? Lovely. Shall we appoint some more road captains, G? Yeah, so we got three to add this week. First up from West Leicestershire. Congratulations to Ralph Mitchell. Well played, Ralph. Uh, for New Jersey, which should always be pronounced North Jersey, it is Joe with a surname, Geraint, which we should both have a pop at. I'll go first. Uh, Kuzwuzz. Joe, I do apologise, as does Geraint. Please do uh, get in touch and let us know how to pronounce your surname, which for those interested is capital C Z Y S Z. Kuzwuzz. Cause, <laughs> uh, congrats, Joe. Anyway, uh, well played, well played, Joe. <laughs> Roy Middleton is a new row captain for the Northeast Wales. So Wrexham, Flintshire, and Denbyshire, big old area mm. there, mate. Good riding, Tom. On road captains, by the way, uh, we have a little challenge for them, don't we? Yes, we do. So first of all, thank you to all the road captains who've organised rides so far. And with the weather getting better and the evening slightly lighter, we want to encourage more. 
Yeah, so before the end of Series 2 of this podcast, which will finish early March, uh, we want to get you to send us some pictures of your rides or your meetups, you know, in a pub watching something or calf drinking coffee and watching something or riding. Anyway, uh, me, Tom and producer Lou will judge them all and the best picture or the best area will get some free merch. Yeah, I think people can be creative here, G, can't they? I'm thinking some sort of drone footage, maybe some weird fisheye lens. Oof. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the more people there, the better as well, you know. Big old, like, you know, especially now COVID, hopefully, seeing the back of. More people, the merrier. Big old rivalry between all the road captains all over the UK. Well, all over the world, actually. And we're not going to be uh, biased. I won't be biased towards Wales or, G- or Britain. So, um yeah, get it on. There you go, make it happen. And finally, I just wanted to mention a fundraiser which I saw on my Twitter feed, actually. And it's happening in memory of the wonderful woman called Heidi. Now, Heidi was an avid follower of the Pro Tour, also a cyclist herself, even when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Sadly, Heidi passed away at the start of Feb, but she wanted her friends and family to remember her by doing something good and meaningful for children. Yeah, so at Heidi's request, her family, including her husband Adam, are raising money for the Geraint Thomas Cycling Trust. Now, as we know, this charity was set up by you, Geraint, recently to help overcome some of the barriers that stop many kids getting involved with cycling. Yeah, so just wanted to mention that and say a huge thanks to Heidi and her family and everyone who's donated so far for for setting this up. It's uh, yeah, going to make a huge difference. Yeah, and if you'd like to donate, we'll post the links on our socials. So look out for it on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or just go to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Heidi Crook Cycling Sensation. Nice one, G. You enjoy your week and I'll see you in a week's time. Ciao, ciao. That was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Head of Music Emma Hickman, Head of Social Fionn Clark and our Honorary President Mike Carr. Most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.